an agenda would be like kind of good. So we have an agenda, right? We do now. Is it like it's basically the Trello? Yeah, and uh, I think Len had the idea for origin stories. Origin stories. Yeah, maybe we could just get right into it. I think I think we're all kind of a special breed here of people. Both us and you know anyone who would be listening, we're all people who have a career in this field, and we're also doing something extra. I don't think that's normal, and I, I I've come to realize most people, uh, most good developers, kind of have a, a background story. Like, what is it that made them so passionate about what they do that they're doing something outside of their nine to five? This feels like a This American Life monologue. <laughs> Great. Now, great. Uh, so we're going to go with our first story, and then... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Len, do you want to tell us where you came from? Uh, sure. I was in this industry for a long time, like six years, and I hated it. I was like the epitome of the 9 to 5 developer. Uh, I would just wait for 501 and run out the door. And My opinion of programming was that it was terrible. And I'd bounce around from job to job, and I'd see a lot of the terrible corporate patterns. You'd build an application. Within two or three years, it would become unmaintainable, and you would just do the grand new rewrite. Your your hopes would be high. And then after a year, the rewrite was a, a big ball of spaghetti. Uh, and I went ne networking uh, to a user group. It was my first user group. Uh, and I was only there because I wanted to find a new job, <laughs> because I was tired of all the projects I had at work, uh, constantly throwing exceptions, uh, getting my uh, phone rang at the, in the middle of the night. How did you find that job, if you don't want me asking? How did I find that job? Uh, a recruiter. Yeah, it was my first job in Michigan. And we had a lot of pretty high-profile sites. Uh, so when they would go down, my phone would just constantly get hit. <laughs> So yeah, it was, it was super stressful. There's too many projects. They were all a mess. And I just wanted out. So I go to this developer meeting. And it just so happens that uh, it was a .NET developer meeting. And the focus of the meeting was on developer tools. Uh, and Dustin Campbell was there showing off a, a tool called CodeRush, which is like ReSharper, the ReSharper competitor back in the day. And I watched him code and realized he was like an order of magnitude more productive than I was. Just watching him build classes in seconds that would take me minutes and watching him in half hour build like functional code made me realize exactly how terrible I was at my craft. So I immediately went home and bought this tool. And packaged in the tool were refactorings. And I had no idea who Martin Fowler was. Uh, I didn't realize that these named refactorings, uh, you know, correlated to code smells. But it was such a fun tool to just go around and, and rip through my code, and extract a method or extract a class or extract interface that I just started doing it and realized after a few months that my job was less terrible. And that kind of set me on the pathway of learning what makes code good and finding agile patterns and implementing them and realizing that if I implement these these patterns and practices that my job actually isn't terrible and I could build software that works and it can actually be a fun experience. So do you think like watching him live code uh, was the, 
I guess the turning point for you, the thing that like light bulb in your head? Because I always, I always love people watching people uh, code or, or use their tools, their environment. Because I always learn so much. Yeah, this. I mean, I was not part of the developer community, so like right now, I'm very aware of how terrible I am. <laughs> uh, but back then, I had no idea how bad I was, and just watching him and realizing how much better he was just opened my eyes to how much better you could be. Mm-hmm. I also really like. Uh the play-by-play series. I forget who bought that company, but if you search for it, you can find plural it. Site. Oh, plural, plural site. They have these hour and a half to two hour videos of people just building something simple with a language or a framework. And it's really, really instructive. Like that's how I learned Elixir. Um, I watched Katrina Owen code in Vim and realized how slow I was. So yeah, plus one for live coding or watching people code. So, Pam, do you have an origin story? What made you either a developer or I know you specifically care about training? Did something spur you down either of these paths? Yeah. um, I mean, so I kind of, I always kind of planned to be a business person. Um, And then when I got out of college at probably literally the worst time to get out of college, but I think every year since then has also been the worst time to get out of college. But mine was the first year that was the worst year to get out of college. <laughs> I actually I actually do have like a specific story when I realized I was like, oh, shit, I got to work with computers. Because um, I, so I was in an IT honors program, which basically I got into because they, they called me at my house before I started college and were like, hey, do you want a, uh, you know, do you want to be part of this honors program that also pays you to uh, learn technology? And I was like, yes, that pays better than other on-campus jobs. And so I was in this program. Uh, so I got to get paid to be the webmaster for the newspaper. Or, um, you know, I did some data stuff for the economics department because remember, I was going to be a business person. And then actually, like two months before I graduated, I went to a... Uh, a women in computing event, um, and I gave a little talk about some of the work I'd done for the federal stimulus for uh, a internship in government I did. But I heard um, her name's Justine Castle. She's a researcher, and I, I find research really fascinating. I know some people like really, really get into it. Um, I just kind of get into it in passing every so often, like read an academic paper um, because it's just you know there's so much stuff happening in the world of academia that we don't really hear about in industry until you know like three years later, but she uh, was building virtual humans to help teach uh, autistic kids social skills so that they could be more successful at life. Um, And I was just like, oh, shit. Um, You know, I this is computers. Like, like, no matter what I do, I need to do stuff with computers. Um, And then I also realized that kind of, you know, I did Java and C++ in school and things like that. And they aren't super fun to me. When I realized someone would like people would pay me to do web programming, I was like, ah, yes, the internet is my favorite thing. So that's really kind of how I got into it. Um, as for education, I kind of, uh, when I think back about it, uh, I actually started like one of my service projects that I did a lot of uh, community service in in school was I taught uh, senior citizens how to use Hotmail <laughs> so that they could, you know, write email to their grandkids. So I would teach classes at my local church. Uh, and I'm also a certified yoga teacher. Um, so I just, uh, I, I find, 
that it's really fun to teach people things and just um, a lot of it has to do with how you make people feel. And so when I teach people to program, I'm giving them this superpower. And that's this awesome thing because, you know, it's, you know, it's like something like, like 20, like 25 out of 30 people that I teach, like, you know, this is like a thing and they kind of thought they should do it, but maybe it, you know, it maybe helps them get paid more and that's awesome. So it helps them uh, gain an economic standing. Uh, but those, you know, like maybe like five out of 30 of them just completely like, you know, head over heels, like are into it. And, uh, you know, there's been a, some good stories out of Philly lately about some of, uh, some of the students are mine, but uh, a lot of them are just uh, other students of Girl Develop It, uh, who went on to completely change careers and they just, you know, they tried a new thing and they got really into it. And I think that's really, really cool. Wow. Um, so it's kind of addictive, really. <laughs> that is, once you're, once you're into it, it's kind of addictive. And I, I, I kind of would imagine that other people who kind of teach on the side for, for almost for fun would probably agree. Cause it's, you know, it's not, it's not our day job. And it's certainly, you know, we could make more money doing professional training. Um, but when you do that community style, it's just that kind of like really special thing that happens. So that's my origin story. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. What do you teach right now? Um, I don't have anything scheduled. Right now I'm, I've am i got a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but a few uh, things on the speaking circuit. Um, so because it's kind of that season. Uh, so I'm about ready to, to schedule something for teaching. Actually, we probably will with the JavaScript user group. We're going to do some workshops this summer. We'll do a big announcement about that when that's all organized, but it should be a lot of fun. Summer's hard because it's um, it's it's both a great and horrible time for events because you never know what's going to be the weekend that everyone's at the shore. <laughs> so, uh, so I kind of you know, it's kind of a mellow event season. So, how did your uh, Brooklyn Jazz talk go? Speaking of talks. Yeah, it, uh, I think it went really well. I mean, it's I still was so super intimidated for no reason by the by the Brooklyn people, because a lot of them are node people, um, and I actually am not super familiar. Uh, like, I don't do node stuff all the time, so I showed a, a demo in Mocha that was a little messed up. It actually showed, like, a, a bug in Mocha that shouldn't work, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that wasn't exactly the point of my demo. So, And, and someone did a, a, I don't know, it's like, I get so spoiled by, like, my user group where we kind of have a kind of have a standard for how things are and someone called me out for not using vim because i was using sublime um really and yeah and i was just like i don't know why like i don't know why you you like to make yourself feel smarter it's not <laughs> the point of a user group meeting but yeah it's just like uh you know it's like it's not the worst thing that's ever happened it's not the worst heckling but it was just like really like that stuff doesn't fly in my user group so like Kind of, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Ah, New Yorkers. <laughs> Just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and it's like in Philly, we have such a reputation for for being so mean, and then like you know, we're actually like the kindest of the user groups. Like other <laughs> user groups are like, oh, we're like you know, this is the gauntlet. You come to Baltimore Ruby and like you know, expect to get heckled. It's like. But we just, we don't do that. <laughs> I think that's great. Now I'm curious. I want to go to one of these user groups. 
<laughs> yeah, you can see. I mean, like, Brooklyn Jess is fine. I have heard that Baltimore Ruby is kind of... But you know what it is? It's because it's, like, the same 20 people who, like, know each other, and then there's no new people. And because if a new person comes, then they are kind of intimidated. So, that's, that's, that's what I'm about. I think Philly RB does a good job of... We have a good yeah. mix of new people every, oh, totally. week, every month. We have so Yeah, we have so many new people all the time. It's great. You know, especially since they got on meetup.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a shame that meetup is a monopoly, but it really does, like, increase your uh, attendance, like, three to four times. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. They're, for the, the listeners, the backstory on that is I uh, I made fun of Javon for quite a long time for not being on meetup.com. Um, but, uh. Because when people when people search for a user group, unfortunately, they search on Ruby on on Meetup dot com and they just search like Ruby and whatever comes up is the, the thing they go to. Yeah. So, so so on that note, I mean, Jervon runs the Philly RB user group, and I wonder, Jervon, what made you so interested in community? So, starting from the beginning, I was actually a pretty terrible programmer. Um, I dabbled in programming in high school, and I did not do so well. And then out of high school. I started building basic websites and doing web development. And one day I decided to show up to Philly RB because I think it was Tech Week. And I saw, um, I saw an event for Philly RB. It was one of the hack nights. Uh, I came and I was at Neomind and, uh, there was like, there, there were not many people there, but Stefan was there and he like sat with me and I guess we started building some stuff with Ruby. I had played with Ruby a little bit. And he was just welcoming, and everybody else was welcoming. And then eventually I got a job at Neomind, and Matt Schaefer and I became friends, and I would help him sort of in the background. But I feel like community is what got me started and helped me out a lot. So I always try to give back or just give back what those people gave to me um, so I could pay that forward. So... I think community is a big part of, um, I guess it gives you motivation and shows you that you can do it. So I just try to do that to other people or for other people. Yeah. But Philly RB is pretty mean, awesome and you should check it out. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good point too is I, um, I often forget to say it because it's kind of hokey, but it's like a lot of the stuff I do, I do because someone did it for me. Like, somebody called me, like, at my house and was like, you want to be in this honors program? And I was like, nah, computers? Like, psh. Like, I did advanced mathematics in high school, but I couldn't take computer science because you had to be in, like, a special program to do it. Like, the only computer class I could take that was like, here's how to use Microsoft Word. Um, and so I didn't take it because that's silly. Um, <laughs> but, like, I mean, I, I help out other people because someone helped me out. Um, and I think that's a... A really good reason to get into stuff. Definitely. Last guy. Yeah. So Justin. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so ever since I was maybe like in uh, middle school, high school, I always programmed something. I used to make uh, little programs in basic. Uh, my uncle gave me my first computer. Uh, it was, I think it was old at the time for him, but to me it was like the coolest thing ever. Uh, it was an IBM that took like big flat floppy disks. Uh, and then I, I did, um, a lot of web, web programming in high school, uh, like JavaScript. And I did a lot of like Macromedia Flash 
back when it was still Macromedia. And I never saw myself as, you know, going to a computer science program or, or like going to school for computer programming. I really wanted to go to the school in Florida. I grew up around Philadelphia and I really wanted to go to the school in Florida called Full Sail for uh, either sound engineering or 3D or game design or something. Uh, but it was really expensive. We couldn't afford it. And my mom didn't want me to go that far. So I stayed here instead. And I, I really didn't want to do computer programming because I was like, who would want to, you know, sit and stare at code for eight hours a day? That sounds like the worst day ever. So I stayed in Philadelphia area and I went to a seven month program to get an MCSE, uh, which is a Microsoft certified system engineer. And I got that. So I, I did system engineering, uh, you know, managing Windows servers or desktop support or whatever I was doing for like eight or nine years. And the last job I had was at a law firm. Uh, I was there for three and a half years. And the first two years were fun because I got to redo their entire network and I got to switch them from physical hardware to virtualization like VMware. And I got to install all new wireless access points and do all kinds of other neat stuff. But then after I was there and I had, you know, built that infrastructure out, then it was really just kind of supporting things. Like I always say the reason I got bored was because I was, uh, I didn't want to keep supporting Microsoft Exchange, which is an email server, uh, for like the, trying to fix it for the 15th time that month. And I had been doing like PHP projects on the side, um, just for personal things. And I started working on a PHP project at the law firm actually which was their accounting system. Uh, they had to, lawyers enter time in a system, and then every month, accounting would print out thousands and thousands of these sheets that were on green paper, so they called them greens. They would send them to all the lawyers. The lawyers would, by hand, mark off what they wanted to change, and then they would, in our office, mail them back to accounting, and accounting would manually input them back into the system as corrections. So, and this was all in a SQL database somewhere. So I wrote this PHP app that, and it was um, a lot of like jQuery heavy where you could like click and edit a field in line. So you, so you could see your, your green, as they call it, in air quotes I'm making that nobody can see. Um, you could see your green on the screen and you could click it and edit it and it would have a history of who edited it and it would show yellow when it was edited. And it wouldn't modify the original database at all. It would just keep a new copy of it. So I made that and I really enjoyed that. And then switching from that to, to doing, you know, desktop support for about a hundred employees again, like that context switch, I, I realized I really didn't like that. And then, uh, I had gone to like a PHP user group and it was really just, I felt like a bunch of WordPress developers and that really didn't seem very interesting to me. Uh, and then I went to a Philly RB meeting. It was just a really welcoming crowd and everybody there seemed really smart and really friendly and that that lifestyle just seemed very attractive to me. So, and then I met somebody at a TEDx actually, TEDx Philly, the first one that was, he had a, he knew somebody that was looking for uh, a software developer for a startup that had experience with phone systems and I had uh, installed and supported the phone system at the law firm. So I didn't really have any professional programming experience, um, but I did know a lot about phone systems and, and um, voice over IP. So I got a job at this startup 
and built a phone system in Ruby, basically, that used a couple different technologies. Uh, and that was my first programming job. And at that job, like the rest of the developers were .NET. I was the only person that used a Mac. Um, I had bought my first Mac to do iPhone development in 2008, but I had failed at that because I didn't know what I was doing. But from that point forward, I, I had used a Mac. And uh, yeah, I found myself at that startup kind of championing agile and unit tests. I didn't know what TDD was, but I knew that unit tests were good. Um, and very quickly realized that there were probably other places that uh, valued those things too. So I started to seek those jobs out. So you said you couldn't imagine writing code for eight hours a day. That that seemed terrible. Was there something that made you change your mind on that? I don't know. Maybe maybe I wanted to be cool in high school, and computers didn't seem cool. Uh, or maybe maybe programming when I graduated high school in two thousand two was not as fun as it is today. <laughs> um, I think Ruby uh, and other languages like it probably have a um, have probably changed the landscape a lot of like, you're not writing, you know, C or Java in a very corporate setting, um, on a, like a CRT monitor, 15, 13 inch, 15 inch, and, and just staring at like a green and black terminal. Now, now you're, you know, it seems funny because I, now I use Vim, which is like the most terminal ish you can get. I was going to uh, say we're staring at green <laughs> and black terminals all day long. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Like, like, uh, I think the, maybe this community, really is what drew me into it because I didn't really I did I didn't know anybody that did computer programming when I was in high school so I didn't really have any exposure to what that who those people were what that lifestyle was like and then I got exposure to it going to you know affiliate RB and, and realized that I could be a um, happy person and enjoy life and do computer programming at the same time um which I didn't believe, I guess, when I was in high school. You also mentioned that you really enjoyed doing the PHP project, right? Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, building that. Um, and I, I had read things on the internet that were, at the time, um, like, you know, developers need uninter uninterrupted time and, and uh, you know, getting into, like, a design groove or a programming groove. So I would tell my boss, like, yo, if you, if you see headphones on me, please don't bother me for a few hours. <laughs> And he was he was not okay with that. Uh, he was like, "Hey, you got to go fix this other thing like right now." Someone didn't respect the headphones. Yeah, exactly. That's like well, that's like rule number one in managing developers is you must respect the headphones. So the problem was I wasn't a developer; I was a support person or system engineer, and and mm. but then I was doing this other thing that was it was like a pet project, and um, it was going really well, and they wanted it, but, but my primary job was not. Was not that <laughs> right? Not in your job description. So yeah. then they, yeah, priority they, number two. Yeah, they really didn't want me to leave. I, I really, they, they were a great company, and um, I really liked my my team and my boss. But I had to make a uh, career switch. And, and oh, I forgot to mention this too. Like my my goal when I was doing system engineering, or when I, I guess when I started it, like I guess all IT people is. Oh, I'm going to start out like doing desktop support, something entry level, and then I'm going to move up to something more, you know, infrastructure like design or like server oriented. And then I'm going to manage people. And my goal was to be like a manager by the time I was 30. 
like you 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 plan to like take yourself out of um doing the the dirty work i guess i feel like i feel like that could be a whole other show topic that (laughs) yeah Yeah, the the engineering and management track that totally would be its own like long ranty topic yeah, we should nice. we should get a guest manager who's like, you guys, what we need is more managers. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's actually what we need. You know, I actually I'm taking a um like I'm 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 into Coursera and but I, I'm 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 like a mid level Coursera student. I like, you know I successfully take about like one out of ten that I enroll in. Um but one of the ones I'm doing right now is a leadership with emotional intelligence. Um which I'm doing a little bit just like, cause it'll look good at work, but whatever. Um, but one of the things I thought they was interesting they said is they were like, uh, based on like the leadership styles that people have, you could take out 70 to 80% of managers in an organization and it would run better. Um, not because you don't need them, but because they could be more effective. So right. it's interesting, but yes, another time. <laughs> So Justin, what what made you change your mind and realize that wasn't a track you wanted? Um, you mean like what made me change that I wanted to do development instead of IT? Right. I think I I, I really like building things. I'm happiest when I'm building something new or or building a new feature or or something like that. And I guess as a consultant in IT, you can do that, but working for a company and building like infrastructure at some point, somebody needs to support that. So I didn't like the transition from build, 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 and now support it and nurse it. Um, that just wasn't very interesting to me. So programming, I can build stuff all the time. I like building things. I used to like Legos, connects. I never had an erector set. What is an erector set? Is it's it like, is it the same thing as connects? No, it's it's metal. It's it's a uh, like oh. metal strips with holes in it, and then there's like nuts and bolts, so you can just kind of screw everything together. And I guess mm-hmm. there's also angles. I think my dad had an erector set, but he wouldn't let me play with it. <laughs> that's like <laughs> that's just really funny. <laughs> it was old. It was really rusty. It was like when from when, when he was a kid. Oh, so it was basically covered in tetanus. Yeah, probably. So, okay. I mean, that's a fair reason not to like play with it. <laughs> um, but I mean, maybe you could have gotten you a new one, but. Yeah. But no, like Legos and I used to love playing with Legos. So did my wife. I'm really looking forward to uh, having a child and buying some Legos, playing with Legos again. I mean, you don't have to use that as an excuse. You can buy them now. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Although I do have a, I do have a friend and his, um, like for his kid it's it is like very easily a justification and because he gets like you know there because there's like a there's like levels right there's like you know there's like the ones you get for kids and there's the ones that are actually like pretty much designed for adults for like the level of complexity (laughs) and like he'll get those and be like oh yeah this is like you know this is for for me and iris at least he does include himself in the list but it's like dude like you're gonna do most of the work on that (laughs) um my sister actually like they're uh she's she likes legos and they um their their sitting room has a Lego display section, um, nice. and they have they have no kids, uh, so they aren't they aren't buying Legos for the cats. They're buying it for themselves. Um, <laughs> but 
yeah, it's like it's a kind of a nice thing to get into because at least it makes holidays easy. Yeah, because there's always like a new cool kit out. So, or if you're into any movie, like there's always like some cool thing from a movie, uh, like Batman stuff and. Oh yeah. It's not related to programming, but X Men's coming out this week. <laughs> it's like that's gonna be a lot of fun. Is a uh, is Minecraft kind of like the new Lego? Yeah, it's like digital Legos, yeah. Yeah, my my cousin is uh fourteen. Uh, I I think he's been this since he was twelve, but he he plays Minecraft, and he was showing me like how he mods Minecraft. So I was like, I oh, he, oh, he's he's gonna, he's gonna like download a file and just you know you know mod it. So what he does, he was showing me, he downloads his file and then he like opens up Eclipse and like changes some jar files around and recompiles something. And I was like, you're, you know, you're programming, right? He was like, what? Uh, so I think maybe Minecraft is like a really good gateway into software development. So many little kids are into Minecraft now, even yeah. younger than 12. And there's a book on building Minecraft plugins. Yeah. There's actually, yeah, there's a few like, entry things where like, it's like a lot of people in like the art world like make things with programming and don't really like think of it as programming and think of it as art and then you've got minecraft and gaming as well i think game mods were like a huge entry point for a lot of developers i mean it was great to be able to take your, your little pc game and make levels and make maps and and make your own mods which led you to real programming I'm worried yeah, or even even just like learning cheat codes, like <laughs> of like the system is not fixed. Like it's kind of like the the whole you know the controversial thing about like you know that we need to teach kids more about uh, like electronics because you get electronic things now and you get the the dreaded no years no user serviceable parts within sticker. Like what do you mean no user serviceable parts? Like <laughs> someone put it together. Why can't I take it apart? So. Yeah, I guess there is some worry of, um, you know, systems being closed. Like I was about to say about like not being able to mod games as much anymore. But I, I think right. there's also another, um, the opposite of that is like it's easier than ever to make a game or make something from scratch, like build a Raspberry Pi or Arduino robot. So I think, I think there's, I think you can still, you know, hack on, on things. It's just not in the same way it was. But this also assumes that you have access to a computer. I think more and more often, you know, parents are going to choose to get an iPad instead of a, a computer. For right. Kid. Yeah. True, true. Have you played with any of the, um, I doubt any of you have, uh, but the like programming languages for kids on iPad, like Scratch or whatever they're called? Yeah, I mean, they aren't just for, for iPad. Like, Scratch was around before. Um, and then there's, what, there's there's Alice, too, is another one. A lot of them come out of, like, Media Lab. I played with Shoes so. recently. Shoes? Which is for Ruby. Wait, Shoes? Recently? Like, <laughs> yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I downloaded it. What's this called? Shoes. Like, seriously, like, Shoes, like, for your feet. It was, like, yeah. a, <laughs> it was an app for making, like, GUI programs and just straight-up Ruby. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But I was saying specifically about like only having an iPad and being able to do those things. It seems kind of neat. Like I think there's some iPad apps where you can make like full games, like do game scripting all on the iPad. 
Well, there's actually like a um, a course at like the the Fleischer Art Memorial that does like community courses um, on drawing on your iPad. That oh, is nice. like uh, I was I was thinking about taking it, but I the last time I took an art course, I I walked in and it was like. Okay, so everyone's, you know, like been painting for years and stuff and I was like, Isn't this beginning painting? And I was I was like the second worst person in the class. It was kind of it was hard. It was rough. <laughs> so I was a little scared of that with drawing. I need like remedial drawing. Like, let's let's work on our squares, you guys. <laughs> need to need to work on my squares. Yeah, I have I have no art skills. I feel like I used to be better at it when I used to take like paper notes, and now I just type everything on into a text file. I should get back into like holding a pad whenever I'm in a meeting or talking to somebody and just doodling. Yeah, well, they also say that it helps you uh, helps you focus. That doodling is actually a, a good thing. It doesn't mean you're distracted. It means you're actually going to listen a little bit better because you're you're doing something with your hands. And you're kind of like occupying that. Uh, that like twitchy phase yeah 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 is there a name for that like visual note-taking style where you kind of just draw what the speaker's saying instead of just repeating the words yeah um people call it sketch notes oh right that's what i've heard people call it um those are so cool i there you know what there should be a web app for people to post their sketch notes <laughs> it's probably called dribble Twitter. but <laughs> um but it'd be kind of cool if you had like like instead of like speaker deck you have like you know Sketch notes. That'd be kind of fun. There's no business model. Just sketch notes. Love to see it. So, so is that, it's 845. Are we, uh, we wrapping up? Yeah. Do we want to do picks? I, sorry. I forget what picks are. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the thing we learn? So so we had an idea to do like what we learned to be different from other podcasts and like what we learned this week instead of, um, picking something, but, Turns out that's really hard to come up with, at least for me. It's not that hard because you can always just backdoor the thing you learned to do a pick. Like this week, I learned that uh, the new X Men movie is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I learned about shoes. Yeah. Do all all three of you like X Men? Oh yes. I mean, who doesn't? I I never got into it. I'm not a comics person, I guess. It's, It's not even that it's like about comics. Is that there's I guess, well, yeah, because there's the superpowers, but I think it's a really cool, it was kind of one of the first stories to really be like, what happens, you know, when society hates people? And, like, it's not like, you know, like Superman, like, the love superhero, like, you know, these people are, you know, they're the, the outsiders. Um, X-Men. I didn't really like the yeah. movies, but the, there's an X-Men cartoon, the Marvel X-Men. Yeah, that was Oh, uh, man, I used to watch that all the time. I feel like there's there's this big like difference in the early comics between Marvel and DC where all the DC superheroes they were like millionaires who like worked with the police beating up the criminals not to name names Bruce Wayne but then you've got, <laughs> then you've got Marvel and like yeah all their characters are like outcasts they're actually hunted by the police yeah and I grew up as a Marvel boy do you use that um Comixology iPad app. Oh, I checked it out, but I don't know, it hasn't become addictive yet. You know, what I do like I like uh, Symbolia. It's what is a that? Um, it's a, a comics for news magazine. So it's kind of like 
I guess kind of like if the Atlantic were illustrated. A little bit is like it, that. Is this like those um, Chinese like 3D animations of popular events? No, but, no, but it's, it's not. <laughs> it's not video. It's yeah. It's it, it's like actually like it's like if someone wrote an essay but with comics. So usually, so a lot of times they pair an artist with a writer. Um. So and then sometimes the artists are also writers, but uh, but it's good. I and, and it's uh you know I I have a soft spot in you know in my heart for paying for journalism, and so I'm happy to give them my money. So my. So, so my pick this week uh, will not be Comixology, especially now that you can't do in-app purchases. Uh, but I always thought three ninety nine for a digital comic was a little expensive. You're going to read it in a few minutes, and it's as much as the paper comics. But Marvel has their own app. It's uh, Marvel Unlimited, and you pay like $7 a month, and it's like the Netflix of the Marvel Universe any comic more than like four months old, you can just read for free and you just pay this one monthly subscription. And it used to be a terrible, terrible app. It's still not the best comic app, but it's gotten a lot better and you can just flip through and read like a whole, whole series. And it's pretty great. Nice. Uh, you got a pick Justin. Yeah. Um, I will pick this thing that I'm not sure how it's going to turn out. It's called Git chain. It is on Kickstarter and there's a GitHub project. And what they're trying to do is use um, Bitcoin technology to make a decentralized Git service. So you can actually have private repos that are globally distributed um, and anonymous. I don't know if it's really Bitcoin technology. It sounds more like BitTorrent. But um, it's an interesting idea that you can... Maybe they mean the anonymous bit of it. Maybe. Uh, but... but it's Kind of the idea. point of Bitcoin is that it's also still not really anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> like it is if you have a if you have a unique identifier, you can always find the person behind it somehow. Yeah. So. But it is an interesting idea that you can, you know, store your code in this cloud that is decentralized and free. Um, yeah. Well, it and, it raises some interesting stuff for for people who might be at risk if they contributed to a project. Hmm. It's interesting. So, yeah. So that is my uh, Kickstarter Git chain. Yo, Jervon. My pick is uh, a book called "An Introduction to Programming in Go." It is free online to read at golang-book.com. So, if you want to learn programming and you want to learn Go, check that book out. Cool. Great, so I think that wraps it up. Yeah. Great. Until next time. Talk to you guys next week.